Amanda McKeague from Ireland. I was wondering what happened to you. I used to see you writing comments all the time, and I hadn't seen you in like a year. So sorry to single you out in front of everybody, but I'm glad you're on from Ireland. And I am Jonathan Shuttlesworth here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with you live. We broadcast live every day, 10 a.m. to 11 Eastern U.S. time. I'm preaching this week in Clarksburg, West Virginia. I actually tag-teamed with my wife, Adon. She opened up. I, fi- I uh, closed out. We both preached. Gave a salvation altar call, laid hands on everybody in the building and took an offering and dismissed at 9.33. I felt like I was half backslidden. I was wondering if I had like uh, unconfessed sin on the way home. I've never dismissed a service that early, probably in the seven years, but there was nothing left to do. And it was a great night. So it's Center Branch Church, Pastor Luke Bruger, Clarksburg, West Virginia. Love to have you. And of course, if you're watching on television, you can join us on Facebook and I can see your comments live. April, Maria, Panos, uh, Rosie, Renata, Ray. This all sound like fake names, but they're actually real names. Um, Glad you're all on with us. And then you can write. And then we added in something yesterday that after we go off of broadcast television, we stay on Facebook and YouTube, and um, we are going to pray for 30 minutes together and pray for our nation, for the advancement of the kingdom of God in our nation, and just use that time because... uh, Nothing grows without prayer, and with prayer, things grow well. So let's take today, and uh, I'm going to pray in just a second, but if you're just joining us, hey Shane from uh, St. Lucia, breakfast with me, you, and Kofi had breakfast earlier in the year. Man, it's been been quite the year. Hey Manny from India, God bless you. Scooter, Scooter Carter, you sound like you should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, like a second baseman from the 1920s. Yana Pauls is on, unfortunately. Andrea. Great job in the Ukraine, Yana. Mike Lavalley. Hey, wow, a lot, of, a lot of old friends coming back on today. If you haven't shared the broadcast, you have permission to share it now. Um, it'll help a lot of people. We've been talking about releasing the power of God. Very important, something people don't understand when they're challenged. They say, um, you know, I'm trusting in Jesus, but... That's not how it works. God gave us something to do to release his power to prevail in every battle of life. And uh, hey, Cedric from Waycross, Georgia. I had a great time there about a year ago uh, next month. Missy, we love you. Um, How do you release God's power in your situation? What are you supposed to do when you're confronted with a problem? Do you have to lose? Does life have to be ups and downs? No. We're getting this transcribed and it'll be my, my next book, Lord willing how to prevail in every battle of life. And so uh, I know today's going to help you, and I'm glad that you joined me. It's nice being with you. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're an unchanging, never-failing, almighty God, that nothing's too difficult for you. You are great and greatly to be praised. There's nobody like you in heaven or on the earth. Wonderful is your name. Matchless is your power. Thank you for sending Jesus to redeem us from all the curse of the law. Thank you that because of his obedience, we are now more than conquerors. He took our defeat to give us overwhelming victory. And we receive that today. We receive that in this day to conquer everything that's been sent to conquer us within these 24 hours. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for it. We give you praise, honor, and glory. Thank you for all you did in West Virginia last night. I thank you for those meetings continuing to grow in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for revival. Thank you for shaking America. 
by your mighty hand. In Jesus' name, thank you for undoing every scheme and plan of the wicked. Thank you that wickedness will never find a home in the United States of America. They're too late. We take this place for God. We take our generation for God. In Jesus' mighty name. Now I pray for every viewer. I pray that as they hear your word today, it would come alive in their spirit. Faith would come alive in their spirit. It would start to begin to change the way they think and speak and in changing how they speak. I think that it'll change what manifests in their life, calling those things that are not as though they were in Jesus' name. Bless their lives today. Let there be a tangible change in every life from today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for it and give you praise. And everybody said, amen. Well, let's get to work. Turn in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 7, verse 1. Oh, 25% off any purchase. The blessings are flowing already. Exodus 7, 1. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pay close attention to this. I will make you as a God to Pharaoh. That's what God's speaking to a human being. I will make you as a God to Pharaoh. I would like to see what my friend Finest Dake has to say about that, if he has anything to say about that. The Lord said unto Moses, See, I, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. Now look how you can tell people won't translate it like that anymore. New Living Translation. Then the Lord said to Moses, pay close attention to this. I will make you seem like a God to Pharaoh. That is not what it says. I have made thee a God, small g, to Pharaoh. And Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak it all that I command thee. And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh. And he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Let me see if he has a note on that. He does. I have made you a God in God's stead. Elohim is thus used of men who were to act in God's place before men. Wow, that's powerful that he drew that out. So he didn't say, I will make you seem like a God. He actually, in the Hebrew, said, <laughs> use the word Elohim. I will make you a God, small g. I will make you. So you're not, you can't separate from God. But when you hook up with him, the Bible says that the meaning or, or the commentary that God uses the same word Elohim for people who stand in his place. Hallelujah. I think I know what I'm going to preach on tonight. And then uh, you can Psalm 82, 1 and 6 and John 10, 34 and 35. I have made you a God in God's stead. Elohim is used of men who were to act in God's place before men. Pretty powerful. So then he sends them on their way. 
Verse 8, or I'll start at verse uh, 6, Exodus 7, 6. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83. <laughs> Two old brothers <laughs> coming, coming in to deliver the entire nation. Man, Moses had quite the 40-year run from 80 to 120. So Moses is 80, Aaron was 83, and when they made their demands to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, you know what, why skip the verses in between? Verse 4, even then Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you, so I will bring down my fist on Egypt. Then I will rescue my forces, my people, the Israelites, from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. When I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Let me check that in the King James. I shouldn't have shut it. I have a feeling they, they sissified that passage of Scripture. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. So, so did they. So, and Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. So did they. And Moses was fourscore years old. And Aaron, fourscore and three years old, when they spake unto Pharaoh. And the Lord spake unto Moses and, and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then you shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and his rod became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rod. Let's see the notes on that. The rods of the magicians became serpents. But Aaron's swallowed up the others, proving that God's power is greater than Satan's. So, and that's what, you know, it's very interesting. The, uh, if you tuned in yesterday, we read Isaiah 11. Might as well read it again here. Isaiah 11, 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Let me see the notes on that. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch grow out of his roots. That's interesting. 
It refers to a full-grown and strong rod cut from a tree and capable of beating out grain, correcting children, being used as a shepherd's rod and club and a king's scepter, and a larger, strong club for war and protection. That's the rod that it's saying Jesus is. Listen to all those things. It refers to a full-grown and strong rod cut from a tree and capable of beating out grain, correcting children, being used as a shepherd's rod and club, a king's scepter, and a larger, strong club for war and for protection. And obviously, this is a messianic prophecy that's referring to Jesus. So they were given a literal rod. When they threw it down, it became a serpent and swallowed up the rods of of the magicians. You know, ate the devil's power. They didn't even have any rods left when it got done. And the Bible says Jesus is that rod for us. Can you say amen? And so basically what you're seeing with Moses and Aaron in the Old Covenant is a type of what we we have now. I mean, it's a foreigner. We have better. Christ is our rod. And when we invoke his power, it swallows up the devil's power. So everything that's linked from the devil to go against your life, God didn't just make us his children. He gave us a rod that's not just for correction. It's also for protection, uh, to rule with, rule now in the midst of thine enemies. Uh, That's in Psalm 7. Which we read uh, at the end of last week, I think my wife and I. The Lord, verse 8. The Lord judges the nations. Declare me righteous, O Lord, for I am innocent, O Most High. End the evil of those who are wicked and defend the righteous. For you look deep within the mind and heart, O righteous God. God is my shield, saving those whose hearts are true and right. God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. If a person does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He will prepare his deadly weapons and shoot his flaming arrows. Who knew that God had deadly weapons? The wicked conceive evil. They are pregnant with trouble and give birth to lies. They dig a deep pit to trap others, but they fall into it themselves. The trouble they make for others backfires on them. The violence they plan falls on their own heads. Again, I should probably just read these out of the King James to start. Open right up to it. Psalm 7. Verse 9, O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If the wicked turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordained his arrows against the persecutors. I mean, this is the Bible. Behold, he travaileth with iniquity, and hath conceived mischief, and hath brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it, and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own pate. Now, where's that scripture? I I know it's there. I must have missed it somehow. Oh, Psalm 110. Psalm 110 too. 
We'll couple that with it. Psalm 110.2. The Lord shall send the rod. There's that word again. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. So notice that. Read the verse before it. Psalm 110.1. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule now in the midst of thine enemies. And so, let me see if there's any pertinent notes on that. Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Jehovah said unto my Jehovah. There it is again, where God refers to his servant with his own name. I mean, people... You lose a lot of people when you start preaching like that, but it is Bible doctrine. The word Adonai or Elohim is used when Moses, when God addresses Moses, capital E, small e. And then here, when it says in Psalm 110, the Lord said unto my Lord, David is saying that God said, Jehovah said unto my Jehovah. God called David my Jehovah. So, uh, you know, that's where basically people... You either can cross the bridge from religion into Bible Christianity or you can't. And I, I don't know. I, I, won't, I don't know if I would use that terminology. Well, God used that terminology. You know, are you saying that we're little gods? No, I didn't say we're little gods. I said we're as God, not little. Just a little letter at the front because if we disconnect from him in your own selves, you can do nothing. But when you connect with God, he calls you by his name. How is that hard to understand? When you get married, do you keep, assuming you're not a rank feminist, when you get married, do you keep your name or do you take the name of the person you married? You take the name of the person you married. I carry the same name as my father, Tiff. Tiff Shuttlesworth, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And when you get born of God and married to Christ, both things, you take that person's name. Can you say amen? Now, you think how the average person... Oh, that's great. Looking forward to seeing you, Callie. You, you, you think how the average person views themselves. I'm dep- I'm, uh, you know, I battle with depression. I, uh, uh, I'm, an, I'm a recovering addict. I'm an abuse victim. No. Imagine if you started calling yourself by the name that God called you by. He called Moses Elohim under an old covenant. Now we have Jesus who shed his blood, tore the veil into. We have a better covenant based on better promises. I would do everything you could to get to Center Branch Church tonight at West Virginia, Clarksburg, West Virginia, because I, I know where I'm going tonight. And then God gave Moses that rod, and Christ is that rod that came out of the stem of Jesse that we've been given. And the Bible says, the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion, saying, rule now in the midst of thine enemies. So, where do you see that played out? Where we just read in Exodus. There were other serpents, multiple ones, and the rod of Aaron swallowed up all the other serpents. So when you know how to provoke the power of Jesus Christ, good to see you in St. Lucia. I know where I would be if I was in St. Lucia right now. I'd be on that beach by the airport. One of the prettiest places I've ever been in my life. Glad you're here. So, Say this with me. Say, rule now in the midst of thine enemies. So are there enemies? Yes. 
But the rod that God gave us doesn't allow the enemy to rule over us. When you use it, it gives you the power to rule over the enemies that are around you. I mean, think of it, you can carry it out even further. If Jesus was that rod, why did it turn into a serpent? You know, why, why would God tell Moses to throw the rod down and it become a snake? Why would Christ become a snake? Snakes are always used uh, uh, with the demonic. You'll trample on, on uh, snakes and scorpions. Because it's a type that Christ became sin for us, 2 Corinthians 6, and then swallowed up all the other snakes. He became sin, swallowed up the curse around us, and then became our rod again. Hallelujah. Praise God, a type of Christ in Exodus. I've never seen that before. Praise the Lord. That rod that Aaron had is the type of, uh, of the Christ in us that gives us the ability to rule now in the midst of our enemies. Your enemies do not have the ability to rule over you unless you let them. God gave you dominion and power to rule in the midst of your enemies. So what do you do? You start going through the Bible and identify everything the Bible says is an enemy. What are they? Sickness is an enemy. Death is, the Bible says death is the last enemy to be destroyed. So you have dominion over sickness, dominion over death. Poverty is an enemy. Poverty is an instrument of death. You're poor enough, you die. You know, people don't get that in America because if you get poor, then you just go to a soup kitchen or whatever. You go to other countries, if you run out of money, you don't have no way to get food, you die. There's no aid coming, you die. Poverty is an enemy. Depression is an enemy. Everything that comes against your joy is an enemy. Everything that comes against your success is an enemy. And the Bible says you can rule now in the midst of your enemy. You don't have to call somebody who knows Christ to pray for you. You are to know Christ. You are to carry that rod. And you are to invoke that power for the purpose of ruling in the midst of your enemies. Can you say amen? So yesterday, we'll see who gets it first. Yesterday we dealt with how, how do you release that power? How do you take that rod you've been given and get it to turn into that snake that swallows up the other snakes? Yesterday we dealt with the first way, which was what? Let's see if we can get it first. What is the primary channel that you use to release the power of God to rule in the midst of your enemies? Let's see who gets it first. We spent the whole day on it yesterday. I didn't realize we're on them. Open your mouth. That's right. And April, uh, April gets it with words. Maria was first with open your mouth. Everybody has it now. Tommy, Kristen Griffiths, even Kristen Griffiths got it. Amazing. It's so simple. You can even teach it to Kristen Griffiths. Rosie Rose, Ruth, Rain Allen, Michael Weber. That's right. Your mouth. You speak. And now I'm going to endeavor to cover the other channels. What do you do when you're being pressed? What do you do when the enemy is making an attempt to attack? If you sit still, you die. If you sit still, you lose. Like Aaron had to throw down that rod, there's something you have to do to throw down that power and get it to swallow up the opposition. Let's see how many we can get through. I may be able to cover all of them today. Number one, turn to Isaiah 58. Isaiah, the 58th chapter.
Verse 6, Isaiah 58, 6. Is not this the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens? And to let the oppressed go free? That ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? And that thou bring the poor that are cast under thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him? And that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? When you fast the way God tells you to, verse 8, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy rear guard and thy rear reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking of vanity. So the Bible says when you fast, this is the fast that I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness and to destroy the bands of oppression. Fasting's not punishment. Fasting's not spiritual discipline. Fasting and prayer is a weapon of warfare that will specifically loose every band of wickedness that's tried to clamp down on you and break every yoke of bondage. Fasting and prayer. Turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark the ninth chapter. to see Pastor Danny Haas on from my home state on the other side of the state. God bless you, man. Mark 9, 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they could not do it. Not they would not do it. They couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. And the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. Isaiah 58 and Mark chapter 9. The second way, words, and the words, you know, even even Jesus coming back from that time of prayer still had to use his words to take authority. So words is, is the main channel. But fasting and prayer, the Bible teaches, there's a certain kind of demonic power that won't come out 
without prayer and fasting. So you'll hit a level in life that you can't break past or you'll be against a problem that you can't get an answer to if you refuse to engage the weapon of fasting and prayer. However, on the flip side, when you engage the weapon of fasting and prayer, things that people battle for 30 years could be solved in three days of fasting and prayer. Let alone if you do the 21 with us at the beginning of the year. How many of you could testify that in taking the first 21 days of this year in fasting and prayer, you've had a year like no other year? Look at our crusade in Newark, New Jersey. That's a product of fasting and prayer. Asking God, you know, it's the devil, clearly, Asbury Park in Newark. There's a demonic resistance to crusade evangelism. But you beat it with fasting and prayer. Then will your light, then will your light break forth speedily. Your light breaks out and light drives out darkness. So the light, we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels, but fasting and prayer takes the light from being hidden, breaks the earthen vessel down and lets the light shine through to make all the darkness go. Engaging fasting and prayer destroys everything. No, it was not the demon of their unbelief. Paul said, wasn't he speaking of the demon of their unbelief? No, because it was a demon that made the boy deaf and mute, and the disciples couldn't cast it out. So it was a literal demon that made the boy suffer seizures. Listen to what Jesus said. He didn't say, you demon of unbelief. He said, you spirit that makes this boy deaf and mute. I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. Let me see if I remember correctly. Dake has some, some good notes on that. Mark chapter 9. So everybody say the weapon of fasting and prayer. Dake says, when Jesus did that, it's, it, he was stating once and for all that regardless of what it is or who it is, that prayer will be answered providing there is unwavering faith. That is, all things will be given that are promised and provided by God in the gospel. All things are promised in the gospel that pertain to life and godliness. His answer as to why the demon didn't depart because of your unbelief is always the correct one for questions like this. Instead of accepting this, many modern followers have manufactured innumerable substitutes as excuses for their lack of power, such as it may not be God's will, you may be under the chastening of God, power to heal was for the apostles only, sign gifts and miracles ceased with the apostles, You may be exalted if God would hear your prayers. Healing is not in the atonement and healing is not for today. But this isn't true because it's just an excuse for a lack of power. So think of that. Many of you, many of you uh, have been around church where they do that. They can't get somebody healed. 
And so they make an excuse for it. Well, it might not be God's will. You know, I prayed for a guy last night in a wheelchair. I mean, a motorized wheelchair. He looks, I, I hadn't asked, but he looks paralyzed from the neck down. And when I prayed for him, he didn't walk, but he, he wheeled over to me in the parking lot and said, when you prayed for me, I can feel my arms and legs now. He's like, I can move them. So that's a start. But I say, well, I get, he didn't get healed. I guess God wants him in the chair. No, I need to grow in the strength of the anointing to be able to, to deliver people like that that are special cases. But it's a start. And I have the whole week with him. And I have my faith set that God will do that as a sign miracle to the state of West Virginia. That's where I'm going. And if I can't reach my goal, it's not on God and it's not on him. It's on me. It won't push me to say, well, I guess it doesn't always work. No, I'll press in more. I'll press in stronger to carry the power of God to my generation. You don't make excuses for lack of power. You understand where the power source is through Christ. You understand it from the word of God and then how to release it. It doesn't do good just to know God has power. You have to know how to release it. Number one, your words. Number two, the weapon of fasting and prayer. Turn to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel, the 10th chapter. Daniel 10, verse 12. The angel said to Daniel, don't be afraid. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding, the first day that you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I've come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people. And in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. And so notice what the angel said. The first day that you asked, your answer was sent. So fasting isn't to try to convince God. God answered him immediately. But for 21 days, a literal demon spirit kept me from bringing your answer. But. As you persisted in fasting and prayer, more angelic help was released. Say that, more angels. So fasting and prayer invokes and provokes angelic assistance on your behalf. Michael, the archangel came. Daniel's fast provoked an archangel to attend unto his, his problem he was going through. And then when he dealt with that demon, it freed me up. It's like football. He was struggling, and then he caught a block from Michael the archangel and was able to go around and, and deliver the, the football to Daniel. Fasting and prayer is a weapon to defeat. There are things in the spirit aligned against our advancement. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, which means the very gates of hell are aligned against the advancement of the church. Love you, pa- Pastor Danny. Well, maybe I'll come 2018. I have space at the end of the year. I'll be in touch. I love you, Pastor Danny. Um, The weapons, the battle that we're in is not physical, it's spiritual. 
And you have to engage the spiritual power of fasting and prayer to destroy those things that are sent to destroy you. I'm one of the only people you're ever going to hear that acknowledge demonic power, but I'm joyful. So be like me. Because it seems like there's two groups in the body of Christ. There's people that just ignore demon power. Thank you for your, your offering, Ramona. Trinidad and Tobago, generous people. There's people that ignore demonic power, and then you have this other group that all they do is ever talk about demons. I think I have a generational curse. And they're always, as if because there's a demon involved, you have an excuse to be defeated. No, God gave us a weapon that swallows up. Our rod swallows up all the other snakes. You should say that wherever you're at. My rod swallows up all the other snakes. So God gave us something to release that every spirit gets overcome by the power that God, uh, that rod of power that God gave us. Jesus, that rod that proceeds out of the stem of Jesse, the weapon of fasting and prayer. I'm on an extended fast right now. I'll be on another one in January. And I try to fast. I'd been fasting three days a week, and then I started doing two days a week. Uh, No, no, I still do three. Usually my normal habit, sometimes I'll I'll stop if I'm getting ready to go on a long fast. I'll eat up the first two, the two weeks before. But my normal schedule, if I'm not on an extended fast, is I fast Monday and Tuesday in meetings, and then Friday, breakthrough Friday, and Sunday and Monday to get the meeting started to break it through in the beginning. So I'm not saying you have to do that. How in the world? I lost my notes for a second. That's why God told John, the things I say, take thou and writest, not take thou and typest, because you could lose them. Can you imagine if the Apostle John had written the whole book of Revelation on an iPhone and then it died or got wet, and then we only had 65 books of the Bible? So I still think that writing probably is the best way to do it. That's a side note. And so fasting and prayer is not a religious discipline. Fasting and prayer is a weapon. It's a way that we release that power that God gave us. Let's go to another. And remember, there's pe- people battle things for 30 years that could be knocked out in three days of fasting and prayer. And not just fasting, fasting with prayer. And let me add this on the prayer before we move on. How do you pray? Remember this. When you're faced with a problem that you don't understand, pray in the language you don't understand. When you're faced with a problem you don't understand, Pray in the language you don't understand. Pray always in the Holy Ghost, building up your most precious faith. So we're going to do that in about 18 minutes, for 30 minutes. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues. If you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, get baptized in the Holy Ghost. If you've been going to a church for 11 years and haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there is a great chance you go to a stinky church. You shouldn't have to go to youth camp or a retreat to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You should go to a church where it's difficult to be in a a, a service without being filled with the Holy Ghost. So speaking, fasting, and prayer, and then we'll leave it with this one, and I'll save one for tomorrow. Number three, touch. How do you release the power? Touch. You will lay your hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Cloth or aprons. Acts 19 were taken from Paul and laid on those that were sick and any sickness or disease they had was healed and any demon spirit came out. That's touch. So if you have a child that's rebellious, then anointing with oil. So I would say 
um, laying on of hands, anointed cloth, some point of contact, anointing with oil, those three. And then I'll add to it a fourth one. Wherever your foot shall tread, you will be on land that I have given to you. Where, so put your feet on the ground. When we did that crusade in Philadelphia, the first one, I went there every night or two nights and walked the entirety of the field drizzling it with olive oil at about one in the morning while drug deals were going down. Committing that ground to the Lord. And we do that still. So what happens? You had that lady in Newark say, as soon as I came on the ground, I felt like I didn't have to stay in my wheelchair. I could feel my feet. And I got up and walked out of my wheelchair with no prayer. So put your feet on the ground. Get, you know, confront whatever the problem is. A pastor that can't get a permit, go to the office. Put your feet on the ground there. And, you know, talk to the man. Talk to him with force. Don't deal with things from far away. David didn't pray about Goliath. And David didn't just curse Goliath from Jesse's house. David put his feet on the ground where Goliath was and went at him. What you don't confront, you'll never conquer. Whatever you don't resist has the right to remain. You're believing for property. Put your feet on the property. March around it. Thank God for Joshua 1 as you march. Thank you, Father, that wherever I put my feet, I'll be on land that you've given me. Do it. Put action to your faith. Wherever your feet shall tread, you'll be on land that I've given to you. Lay hands. You have a child that's having trouble. I would go in and put their head in my hands like a vice grip and pray in the name of Jesus that that drug problem or alcohol problem turns loose of them. You know, you're always going to feel like a resistance when you go to, to do something like that because that's a barrier that you break that brings the victory. Lay hands. Take anointed cloth. Smith Wigglesworth told the story that as he was leaving a lady's home, you know, they, they, would, they would have you stay in uh, someone's home in the church before hotels and motels were common. As he was leaving, this man that raised 21 people from the dead, the lady began to cry and said, you can't leave yet, Brother Wigglesworth. My husband is unsaved. He's on his way to hell. And I prayed and fasted that he would get saved this week and he never came to one of your meetings. He's still unsaved. Please stay. He said, lady, I have to go. But I'll tell you this, don't change the sheets. He stayed in the master bedroom. So when they moved back into the master bedroom, she left the sheets unchanged. With the first night they were sleeping there, the man began to toss and turn, said, is it hot in here? Of course it wasn't hot in there. It's England. Hasn't been hot there ever. So he keeps thrashing. Then he gets out of bed, kneels down beside the bed, crying his eyes out, and says, forgive me a sinner, O Lord. Forgive me a sinner. I'm so convicted. Why? The anointing that was on Wigglesworth was on, like it got on what Paul wore, aprons and clothing that had been on Paul, that was on the cloth that Wigglesworth slept in, probably prayed in the Holy Ghost, sleeping in that bed. I would do that, man. If I were you and my child was away from God, when they were away at school today, I'd go lay in their bed and pray, hallelujah, I feel the anointing on this, and pray in the Holy Ghost. You're not going to go to hell. I can't claim you for the kingdom of God. Father, fill, charge these sheets with your power. That when they lay in this bed, they, they, they will be arrested by your presence in Jesus' name. Put action to your faith. Put action to your faith. Put action to your faith. What action specifically? Put your feet down. 
Wherever your feet shall tread, you'll be on land that I have given you. Put your hands on it. Get it in cloth and anoint with oil. Use the anointing oil. The anointing oil consecrates anything it touches to God. It leaves the factory an ordinary chemical product, but when you bless it, it actually carries the power of the Holy Ghost. Put it on their head. Anoint your children with oil. Use the anointing oil when sickness tries to attack. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Take a shot of the oil if it's something internal. Use it on your children. And those are ways that you release God's power. So what are the four again? Put your feet on it. Put your hands on it. Put some cloth on it. Put some oil on it. Those are the ways God gave us to release his power. Praise the Lord. And I'll deal with the final one tomorrow. Lift your hands wherever you're at. And let's just thank God for the victory. Begin to thank God out loud wherever you're at. Thank you, Jesus, for the victory. I'm talking about practical victory. Your marriage doesn't have to fail. It needs to be, somebody said, do you use any oil? Use olive oil. And I would say cloth you use in situations when you can't be there. I gave a lady my suit jacket to... to She's uh, probably 80 years old, all crippled up. I prayed for her. She straightened out probably about 50% from where she was, and I gave her my suit jacket that I preached in and said, take it home and, and sleep with it covering you tonight. And I'll believe for it to come all the way back. You're welcome, Amanda. Father, every person that's watching right now, I thank you for practical victory. No marriage will fail. No child will spend eternity in hell. In Jesus' mighty name. There's no, remember this. There's no case. Hey, Regina. There's no case that's too tough for God. So, you know, if your child's way away from the Lord and into like an alternative lifestyle and all that, and you're like, well, no. That rod swallows up. All the serpents, period. Rule now in the midst of your enemies. Every enemy, everything that's made itself an enemy of your marriage, your family, your finances, this power overwhelms it. It does not have the ability to overwhelm that power. See you tonight, Brittany Lipscomb. God bless you. Let's just thank God for victory. Thank you, Lord, for the victory uproot everything in and around my life that wasn't planted by you. In Jesus' name. Wherever Camila is in her kindergarten right now, I pray the anointing would come upon her where she's at. I pray for her future spouse, wherever that kid is, that you'd protect him, raise him up, get him, that when he comes in contact with her, he's already 10 steps ahead of the game, wherever that boy is, in Jesus' name. I thank you the enemy will never have the ability to touch my child. I thank you that the enemy will never have the opportunity to touch my wife. And obviously, he's welcome to try and touch me if he'd like at his own risk. In Jesus' mighty name. 
You know, I, I, this isn't the 700 Club, but I'm telling you, I feel there's a lady alone in your house right now that the Spirit of the Lord is coming upon you and emanating from you and driving out every unclean thing in your house. You're the only one fighting for victory in your home. Nobody else is on board, and you will have that which you've contended for in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We receive it today, Father, in Jesus' name. Do one, one, uh, one more thing. Put your right hand on your head and lift your other hand to the Lord. Every sickness or disease, I don't care whether it's congenital, if you're born with it, genetic, I don't care how deep-rooted or deep-seated it is, I command it to come out of your body now in Jesus' name. Be thou made whole. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it and give you praise. Everybody said amen. So make sure to send in a testimony. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that right now. If you're watching me on television, Reno, Las Vegas, Atlanta, all the affiliates that, that we're on, on right now, don't just watch my program and enjoy it. You need to be saved. There's going to come a day where I'm not on the air anymore, not because our partner support dried up, but because a trumpet's going to sound that I'm getting out of here and going to heaven. And I need you to come with me. You do not want to be left on this earth after I leave, after Jesus calls the church up out of the earth. So say this prayer with me where you're at right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I confess him as my Lord and Savior. I receive salvation. I will live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to call that number that they had on the bottom of the screen. Or you can go to RevivalToday.com and click I Just Got Saved and fill that out. And I'll send you a CD absolutely free to tell you what to do now. If I could spend 90 minutes with you, what I would tell you. I think it might be two CDs. And that's it. Then you need to get plugged into a good church. In Jesus' name. I want every viewer that's watching right now to ask the Lord what he would have you to give. We're going to take time at the end of the broadcast so that you can put your money into the cause of world evangelism. And when you do that, the Bible says in Mark chapter 10, the disciples began to recount everything they had given up to follow Jesus. Mark chapter 10. Peter began to speak up, verse 28. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who's given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and the sake of the gospel. So what's this? This is the sake of the gospel. We'll be down preaching in West Virginia tonight, back here in the morning on national television, Africa on primetime television, covering the whole continent. So that Jesus equated giving for the sake of the gospel to giving to him personally. And he said, anyone who does that will receive now and in return 100 times as many. 
homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. But if you study the Bible, you get the persecution anyway. So you might as well get the money and property too. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. I want you to sow with an expectation today that God is going to open the floodgates of heaven. Listen to this. This is a testimony, an astounding testimony that came from Kentucky. When I was preaching in Kentucky, a couple arrived home. They had been trying to sell their house for over a year. They pulled in the driveway, and there was a lady sitting there saying, I want your home. Here's some cash as earnest money. They've been trying to sell it for a year, and not one offer had been put in. But they sold last night, and that house is going to sell. Thought that this would encourage Jonathan and encourage you. It does, and I pray it encourages you. You never know what's being held back from you until you put seed in the ground of the gospel. And then you realize that the enemy has held back a financial flow. And I'm telling you, when you let turn seed loose, that God speaks to you, what seed? Ask the Lord what he would have you to give. What what represents an offering of honor? What represents your best? Honor the Lord with the best part of your wealth and everything that you produce. Then will your vats overflow with good wine and your barns will fill with grain. Those people couldn't get their house to sell for anything. They give it an offering, drive home. And there's a lady waiting to buy their home with earnest money cash. You can't make that stuff up. That happened in, in Louisville, Kentucky last week. Pastor Bob Rogers. So if it sounds like I'm making up stories, you can go verify it. And man, in the hundred and some years since Azusa Street, you could, I could tell you stories from now till Jesus comes of people that took Jesus at his word, took their money the best they could. You have money saved up for a down payment on something? Why don't you watch what happens when you put it in the the soil of the gospel, what God breaks loose? I pray that every person who gives today, that hundredfold return would pursue and overtake you for the rest of your life. In Jesus' mighty name. If you're on Facebook, you can put hashtag donate. And if you're on uh, television, anything else, 412 787-2578. You can also go to revivaltoday.com and click give now. Remember, there's been one young couple after one young person giving $10,000 seeds in response to that challenge. Everybody that gives $10,000 or more, this Dake Annotated Reference Bible I've been using, I'm going to send it to you as a way of saying thank you. 30,000 full gospel notes. And I know everybody can't do 10,000, but many can And everyone has something to give. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now. Hashtag donate. Revivaltoday.com. Give now. Or you can call that number at the bottom of the screen. Don't let this broadcast go by without asking the Lord what he'd have you plant. We're going to come right back on and pray. But for everybody that's watching on Faith USA, we love you. I'll see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I'll see you tonight in West Virginia.